Girl, I have a question for you. Oh, no. How likely is it that Diane Diamond and I are going to become friends? You know, I have to tell you, I think it is way more likely than not that you will be friends with her. Okay, amazing. I have a lot of questions for her. I love Diane Diamond, girl. I know. And I was like, well, here she is again. I know who's going to be happy about this one. Because, <laughs> you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. She doesn't even spell it like that, though. I know. I know. Which is okay. Look, I spelled Jillian with a G. I get it. I know. Okay, it's true. I get it. All right. Hey, there's another song I know. Can I tell you what it is? I wonder what it could be. Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hyde. I love the big breath you took. <gasps> You guys, before we get to the show, just a reminder, look, these are weird times. If you need more to laugh about, check out the Patreon, you guys. We are almost done with Tiger King. I can't believe it. What a bonkers situation, girl. We're deep into Tiger King. Lady Pates is going strong. I got to say, she looks great. She looks yeah. healthy. Her hair is shining and thick and voluminous. She looks amazing. It's where we do our series, you guys. So it's like making a murderer 20 episodes, 19 episodes. Pardon me. We doubled up on one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Jinx, The Staircase, Lorena, Menendez Murders, Don't F With Cats, Lacey Peterson. Oh, wow. I know. All right. Why don't you just take all of them then? <laughs> Jeez. Also, Madonna's Truth or Dare and uh, Queen of Versailles. Madeline McCann, um, The Disappearance of Natalie Holloway. You guys, it's like 140 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this very second. You know you're just like sitting in your living room staring at your spouse or children anyway. Why not listen to us scream laugh? Yeah. I know a lot of people are going through it during this quarantine. I am one of yeah. them. Lady Pates, she is thriving. She's looking down on all of us going, what are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, there's ad-free versions of these episodes, after parties, quarantine check-ins. You know where to go. Patreon.com slash obsessed or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Why didn't you go up on Patreon I don't link? know. It's, Patreon my, it's link? my new way of saying it. I don't know. I, it's my oh. Patreon link. I miss it. Patreon link? That's my drag name. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, before we get into what we're talking about today, I just want to say this is a TCO first. So listen, as I keep saying, we have a new podcast launching. It's Obsessed with Disappeared. It's me and my friend Ellen Marsh recapping episodes of ID's Disappeared. Our friend Ellen Marsh. Our friend. Our friend Ellen. She actually probably likes you better than me at this point. I mean, it's been a long time of you guys hanging out. I, I That's mean, true. Sometimes a girl needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> but we've sort of developed this friendship with the people at ID. And so they came to us with the idea of what if for the first time in TCO, CEO's history, they were like, we give you a documentary to recap before it ever airs. So if you're listening to this on the day it drops, tonight, this evening, is when Brittany Murphy and ID Mystery drops tonight on ID. We are recapping it. You're hearing the story here first. ID, what a cool idea. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much, ID. This is a big, this is a really big deal for us, so yay. Yeah, so excited. So girl, I mean, I kind of gave a spoiler, but like, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about Brittany Murphy, and I loved her. I really, I, I really loved her a lot. This is this is just such a tragic, sad story, you know? It is. It really, truly is. Please don't oh, okay. Me. Okay. He cut her off from the outside world. He kept her cloistered in that home, plied her with drugs, controlled her mind. The more this man talked, the more bizarre his personality became, the more suspicious he became. He decided to try and head it off at the past. 
People were wondering what the heck was up with this Simon Monjack character. Yeah, you're the first people to ever see the infamous bathroom. You can see my wife had a penchant for cosmetics. It's not just disturbing, it's sick. Yeah, these are pictures I took of Brittany. This was actually the picture that we used as the, at the funeral. I just thought it was a, a perfect theatrical photograph, you know? of someone who is just taking their final bow, bow, bow. So I have, we talked about this in the last episode. I was like, and we open with a 911 call. Someone the address of the emergency. 1895 Rising Glen Road. Tell me exactly what happened. Oh, somebody's passed out. Somebody what? Oh, somebody's, my daughter's passed out. Please get oh, your oh, friend, okay. please. Okay. And then we're told it's 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. A frantic call comes in from a house in the Hollywood Hills. So we hear the 911 call. And someone in a minute is going to tell us that this 911 operator was really, like, common professional. I beg to disagree. Oh, I totally disagree. <laughs> How old is your daughter? She's 30. Please have someone coming. Yeah, ma'am. You don't have to yell. We're going to send somebody out there, okay? Is she awake? Please, no. Is she breathing? The guy is asking her, like, how old is your daughter? And she says, 30. Is someone coming? And then he tells this woman whose 30-year-old daughter is passed out in front of her not to yell at him. This 911 operator is basically telling this panicked mother to stop being so hysterical. And if you would just calm down, you dumb woman. He's like, he he literally says to her, you don't have to yell. Excuse me. Why don't you try telling that to Patrick Hines anytime anything goes wrong or is about to go wrong? Remember that time you were like, I just want internet all the time. I I was like, girl, we're underground on the subway. Sometimes you don't have internet <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that i want it and i was also thinking that like look if this guy doesn't like yelling maybe he's in the wrong line of work right don't like don't be a dispatch absolutely a hundred zillion percent if literally your job is to answer calls of dying people i don't know what you were expecting you were gonna get on the other end you don't have to yell he says i can't I know, I know. and mark ebner is just being like very calmly and professionally the 911 operator is asking questions relevant to the situation but the woman is absolutely beside herself and frantic he was great a plus for the man in the situation mark (laughs) speaking of the man in the situation we're now told that the husband of the passed out woman has entered the scene and then the husband is doing chest compressions on her he's doing cpr yeah and you hear the guy the dispatcher being like just slow just keep doing compressions Okay, until help can take over. <laughs> Brittany, please come back. <laughs> not, that's not fast enough. Which is like, that is part of their job. He's like, you're too right. slow, but keep doing it anyway until the paramedics get there. Right. But the point is like, and I get it. We do this all the time, right? You have to be kind of like all business, like just the facts, ma'am. You know, like yes. your, your CPR is too slow. But don't tell this woman to like not be so hysterical when she's calling about her daughter who's passed out on the bathroom floor. That's terrifying. Yeah. And so here's the thing, you guys. This, so obviously the passed out person is Brittany Murphy. And this is about her death. Everybody knows that Brittany Murphy died. Look, the whole idea behind this documentary is that maybe like... Some 
somebody murdered her and maybe it was the mom maybe it was the husband and just like I never want to criticize anybody in their darkest moment of their life or like their moment of grief but I will say that at the end of this 911 call when the mom is hanging up it does don't yell at me girl don't hate me don't stop being my friend but like it sounds a little bit put on wait Brittany's mother Sharon oh yes. absolutely yeah. I, I don't like Sharon she goes Brittany come back <laughs> it's a little it's a little much which you know <laughs> look again someone's reaction to a traumatic thing we get that totally so it's a little much it's a little it's much a little girl much. the fear in your eyes even over FaceTime where you were like don't be mad at me don't be mad at me you think I actually like Sharon Murphy have we met how long have we been married I know I know I know I know so the paramedics finally finally get there and we're like 10 minutes into this thing it seems like and the voiceover yeah. is like within minutes paramedics arrive at the site of the emergency a mansion in the Hollywood Hills the struggling woman is a Hollywood superstar whose story begins three decades earlier. The struggling woman is a Hollywood superstar. And I'm like, I know what I'm watching. Right. <laughs> but wait, this is not before like the, the same narrator guy describes the husband as a heavy set Englishman. And it's not the first time they fat shame Simon. And I don't like Simon at all. But this is not the first time that like his weight is brought up. And I think there are plenty of things to discuss about Simon that don't have to do with his weight. But then they say they go inside the bathroom. The bathroom is cluttered. It's full of cosmetics and hair products and they see a famous Hollywood actress 115 pound Brittany Murphy 115 pound Brittany Murphy and that's the other thing and now we're on the other end of it I can't I know. <laughs> It makes me crazy. I know. So we get the Britney backstory. Girl, guess who's here? Your best friend in the entire world, Diane Diamond. Diane Diamond. I just want to say Diane Diamond is so good at this. Like, I don't know if she writes her own script, totally. if it is a script, if it's off the cuff. Diane Diamond, her inflection is always fucking right on point. Diane Diamond is so good at this. I want to watch everything she does. She talks in sound bites and she's one take diamond as they call her <laughs> she's in and out in 20 minutes she goes in between cocktail parties like she leaves one cocktail party early and she goes to the next one late because she just had to do a totally. quick pop in for id she's got everything tom are you like who's oh well, who was who was my pa powers that be at id can i be friends with diane diamond i don't ask a lot i just want that i'm not going to use my one ask at id for you to be friends with diane diamond but right. i will i will I'll, i will write a letter of support like to who it may concern i'd really love it if patrick could be friends with diane diamond because that means i'm also friends with diane diamond so it's great so diane my best friend diane gives us the britney murphy backstory britney murphy was born on november 10th 1977 her parents were Sharon Murphy and Angelo Bertolotti. They had an interesting connection and they met under sort of unusual circumstances. Diane's like, they met in an interesting way. Well, Diane, you know, minces no words. He had a shady background. He was in the mob. He owned clubs in Florida. So we find out that Mr. Bertolotti, Britney's dad, is in the mafia, too, which I have the question. GP, does this make you and Britney Murphy mob cousins? What mafia? <laughs> Um, so the thing is, Sharon and Angelo got married, but it didn't last because Angelo was like in and out of prison. Well, the best part is that Diane, my best friend Diane, tells us that like... The couple soon weds, but Angelo's flashy ways quickly lose their luster. Angelo was in and out of jail quite a bit, and so the marriage didn't last. They divorced when Brittany was just two years old. 
Sharon was drawn to him because of his lifestyle. And then the second they get married, that is out the window. She wants him home at five. Yeah, because it's not glamorous. It's not a glamorous life. First of all, you're getting arrested left, right, and center, as they say in the UK. And if you're high up in the mafia, the whole thing is like your best friend could kill you tomorrow. Like it's not a fun life. It's very stressful. And if you're a low level guy running the clubs like Angelo, you're doing the time for everybody else, for the Tony Sopranos of the world. So Sharon's like, you know what? F this. But guess what, you guys? Angelo is here to tell us his side of the story. My name is Angelo J. Bertolotti, and my daughter is Brittany Murphy. Well, yeah, I I was involved in my business and uh, little with the marriage. Sharon knew I was involved in organized crime. I did nine years in prison. I got in a lot of trouble. And listen, like, Angelo can barely string two words together. Like, he is a a very old man. He is, like, I mean, I don't know what the age difference between him and Sharon is, but, like, he is old. This is the only scene he's in, I watched this twice, where they don't have to actually subtitle him. Because you can't understand what he's saying. Yeah, and what he's saying is what we all know. And he's like, yep, I was in the mob and I got in a lot of trouble. What? And I'm like, we already know that. But he also says, too, Sharon knew. I was very involved in my business, not so much in my marriage. Yeah, don't don't ask any (laughs) questions. Yeah, we've all seen The Godfather. Except you. <laughs> Except for me. God. <laughs> So in 1980, Sharon leaves her husband with Brittany. They move to Edison, New Jersey, and she gets a job in advertising? Yeah. But more importantly, Brittany Murphy was always an entertainer. She always wanted to act. She's talented from the start. And we get this video that's just like... I know. She, you know, she's one of those kids who looked exactly like what we know her as when she was like eight, nine. Million percent. And so we get this video, and I'm like, what is the backstory of this video? We get Brittany Murphy, like, kind of faux auditioning to host a talk show? Give us your name and what school do you go to? <laughs> Hi, my name is Brittany Murphy and I go to Herbert Hoover Middle School. <laughs> Brittany, how are you doing today, Brittany? Great, how are you? Very good. You want a job hosting a television show? Sure. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a shot and you get to interview me. How about you interview these people over here? Okay, sure. Hi, do you like the fair here today? Yeah. What's your name? Where are you from? Edison. Yeah, it's almost like, where's the other adult? Like, I get the sense that there was an adult just being like, hey, Brittany, do you want to interview all these kids in the at recess or something in the schoolyard? And she's like, um, yeah, okay. And she's she nails it. And I'm not saying that flippantly. She's like, yeah, I think I would actually. She takes the mic and everyone is like happy to talk to her. And she's kind of like adorably giggly. And you're just like, God damn it. Why? Oh, my God. You know what else is tragic? This fucking Scottish journalist that we meet this guy Bryn (laughs) Bryn or Brian whatever B-R-Y-N Hammond Uh uh-uh Mm-mm, I girl. can't understand a word he's saying. I don't like him. But like he also, girl, he tells us your least favorite thing. You know how like you love it when it opens with a 911 call? He tells us your least favorite thing, which is that Brittany and her goddamn mother were best friends. Sharon was pretty much Brittany's pillar. They were more of a friendship as opposed to mother and daughter. If it wasn't for the age difference, you would almost mistake them for sisters. In fact, they considered each other soulmates. 
love it when it it just happens to always open right. with a 911 call. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's a, a gigantic red flag where it's like they weren't mother daughter, they were best friends. And I'm like, it's and just it's bad. It's a bad sign. And then Bryn, who somehow has inside knowledge, is saying that it actually was kind of the reverse. That like Brittany was more often than not taking care of her mother. Like when she got famous, she would like yeah. end up taking care of her mom. And you can tell, like her mom is a mess. I'm sorry, like I don't mean to be judgy, but like her mom is a mess. Right. Can we get back to Bryn real quick? Great. Yeah. So <laughs> we're just cutting to Clueless hitting. And Clueless was like the biggest thing in the world for like, it's still a very big part of my life. It's just yeah. excellent. It's flawless. And Bryn is like, yeah, but Dolly, she was always typecast as the fat, plump <laughs> brunette. Clueless was a huge moment for Brittany Murphy in her career, but she was still typecast as the fat, plump brunette. So over the period of time, she got thin and went blonde and people took notice and she started getting bigger roles. I have in my notes, excuse me, with so many question marks that it takes up three lines. The fat, <laughs> in what world is Brittany Murphy in Clueless fat and plump? And also she has like a reddish tint to her hair. So you're wrong about that too, Brent. So then we see like, because she lost weight and went blonde, she gets like these leading roles in 8 Mile and Sin City and she could play dumb, she could play smart, inquisitive comedy. Like Brittany Murphy really was the package. She could do it all. Right. And so now we're talking about her dating life, you know, and she dated her co-stars. Who cares? That's what happened. She was young. She was living her life in Hollywood and she would date them yeah. for a couple months and that was it. Like it was never anything serious and like, okay, have you guys ever been in the theater? It's called a showmance people. Also, I will point out that she got a piece of Ashton Kutcher at his hottest. Like, Britney, girl, tell me everything. Isn't that when he had that, that long hair? Yes, that's what made it the hottest. Have you never heard of my River Phoenix hair fantasies? All I want is hair like that, down to like my chin. No, River Phoenix and only River Phoenix had that hair, girl. That is the <laughs> stuff of legend. My God. So, you know, we're told that like these relationships don't go anywhere. She doesn't find love. But then in 2006, Britney reads a script based on the novel The White Hotel. She loves what she reads and she makes it her mission to meet the screenwriter Simon Monjack. She reads a script, she loves it, and she makes it her mission to meet the writer, this guy Simon Monjack. Yeah, I have screenwriter in quotes. Right? <laughs> we will get to that. We will get to those quotes, girl. But first, before we do that, we gotta meet Simon's mom. I'm Linda Monjack. I am the mother of Simon Monjack. Simon was a writer and a filmmaker and a cameraman. He could find the soul in someone through the camera lens. That was one of his amazing attributes. She's a Linda, if I've ever seen one, and she is... So Simon's British and she's British and she's just like, you know, he could find the soul in a person through a camera lens. It was one of his amazing attributes. And I just have barf. <laughs> His mother is an enabler and a half. One million percent. Simon's mom is a piece of work from start to finish. And we'll get more into it in a second. But we learned that Simon made a name for himself as a creative force behind George Hickenlooper's Factory Girl. It was a movie that was loosely based on the life of Andy Warhol's muse, Edie Sedgwick. Girl, here's my question. You know more about this shit than I do. Was that movie a hit? No, I know really nothing about Factory Girl. I know that it was kind of, I mean, just like on paper, I think it was like a disappointment, I think. I mean, so I spent a little bit of time on the YouTube and the Goog looking up Factory Girl because I was, I'm fascinated by Andy Warhol. That was Sienna Miller, right? Yeah, and it was Sienna Miller and Hayden Christensen. I remember the movie being a disappointment. So like the fact that this guy, Simon, is like fancy enough to get to like hang out with Britney fucking Murphy based on being the quote creative force behind this 
this flop of a bad movie. That was weird to me. Yeah. And you're right to feel that way. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get back to it a little bit down the road. But like we're told that they meet and she is smitten. And you're like, hold on a second. Maybe Brittany Murphy sees the human underneath the skin. Good for her. I would like to know what this guy has that like an Ashton Kutcher doesn't have. Like you see pictures of Brittany and this guy Simon together. She's this like tiny little slip of a beautiful young woman. He looks unwell. He looks like he just has an ulterior motive all the time. Like the look on his face is just like kind of smarmy, just out for his own, his own gain. And you're like, I'm sorry. What is like angel on earth Brittany Murphy doing with this guy? I literally just have like, it just screams of daddy issues. I understand what you're saying because her dad left when she was super young. He is much older than her and has this very like domineering way about him. Yeah. And you know, we don't know at all. But what we do know is that because uh, Simon's mother is here, if you guys forgot, uh, Linda, (laughs) and we immediately get the like, oh, isn't this sweet music? And I'm like, ID girl, no, I do not subscribe. Unsubscribe. Because she's like... And he phoned me the very day. He he said, I've met this crazy girl, mom. She's a crazy, crazy girl. But I think I'm a bit in love with her. I said, oh, Simon, you've only just met her. He said, she is an amazing woman. And I'm falling for her now. Simon called me and he's like, I met this crazy girl, mom. She's crazy, crazy. Oh, God, she's so crazy. She's so crazy, mommy. I'm falling for her, mommy. She's crazy. And I'm like, don't call her crazy again, number one. Exactly. Uh-huh. And also, I don't believe this phone call happened. I don't believe this phone call happened. I'm totally with you because, like, let me get this straight. He calls you the day he meets this girl and falls in love with her, but then doesn't invite you to the wedding because we learn that they get married and Linda, the mom, the mom didn't find out about it until like the day after like they eloped right I have this in my notes too I was like Simon who supposedly called his mother with all the lovely details about how crazy she is mommy after he <laughs> met Brittany but he didn't tell Linda that they were getting married until after the fact Linda just wants to get a paycheck Linda just wants the attention she wants to be on camera Linda's an enabler Linda not a fan no and we also find out that this is his third marriage but according to Linda the first marriage where he was actually in love I mean we'll get into it in a mere moment yeah but First, we got to deal with this girl. Their home in the hills is a $3.9 million home. It used to be owned by Britney Spears. Right off the bat, Sharon moves in with them. So they move in to this like fancy house, $3.9 million. They bought it from Britney Spears. You guys, guess who moves in with them? Britney's mother. Sharon. Britney Murphy's mother, not Britney Spears' mother. Britney right, Spears' right. mother cleared out with Britney Spears. Right, which is a whole other set of issues because Britney and her whole family were moving. Can you let the girl live? She's over protected. <laughs> just let her live. Yeah, I'm just saying like, wait, hang on a second. Britney's 30 years old. She just gets married and her mother moves in with her. That seems like a lot to me, no? It seems like a whole hell of a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the backstory. And now we're back to the present and we're back in the bathroom. And this is where I have, you guys, Diane Diamond is real good at this narrating gig. When the paramedics arrive at Britney's home, they immediately take control of the situation. They check her vital signs and it doesn't look very good. In fact, it looks pretty grim. But then suddenly, they detect a very weak pulse. They rush her to the ambulance. Brittany Murphy's life is hanging by a thread. 
the way Diane says these things, it's looking pretty grim. Diane, we're talking about a horrible thing here. Could you just have a sip of water and just maybe pull it back for five seconds? It's called (laughs) Brittany Murphy and ID Murder Mystery Investigates or whatever. We know something bad happens. Yeah. She's like, Brittany Murphy's life was hanging by a thread. The way that she says it is just perfect. I just love Diane Diamond. Diane. We get this whole scene where like the ambulance is screeching down the highway and Brittany's mother and her husband are like driving behind them. They get to the hospital. The doctors do everything they can, but like she's too far gone and Brittany Murphy is pronounced dead. Yeah, and it's it's 10.05 a.m. on December 20th, 2009. Then the death of Brittany Murphy hits the news. Hollywood has been stunned today by the death of a rising young star. She was such a talent. I really loved her. Very sad and and a lot of questions obviously swirling around what happened. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Everyone is talking about how they loved her and it's so sad and like the public is in mourning. But then the cops are like, hi, um, we would like answers. And I'm like, yeah, hi, (laughs) me too. So we meet Ed Winter. My name is Ed Winter. I was the assistant chief for the LA County Coroner's Office during the Brittany Murphy investigation. I oversee all the high-profile celebrity death investigations in the county, including Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. I have in my notes, calm down, Ed. He gets a little, like, <laughs> he, like he would tell you some confidential stuff on the sly if you give him another Lagavulin kind of <laughs> thing. I'm like, Ed. Yeah, so so Ed goes to the house. He goes to the Brittany Murphy house, and I think Simon is a dirtbag, but we get this whole thing about, like, how Simon's acting really weird, and I kind of don't think he is acting weird. It was a little strange in his mannerisms. He appeared to be under the influence of something. He wouldn't sit down. He just kept pacing back and forth and was kind of stoic and kind of rambling. People will react in many different ways from crying or just being silent, but he appeared confused. They say it seems like he's under the influence of something. Yeah, something happens to Steve. Show up at my house three hours later, I'm going to have had a cocktail. Yeah. And the thing is, like, Winter says, look, people react in all different ways to all different things. And he he's kind of, like, on our side where he's like, I'm not here to judge. Yeah. But what he says is, he was like... He had said that he did not want an autopsy, which I explained to him. We do autopsies anytime there's a death unless they could provide a religious objection or a court order which they never did. The minute they say the word autopsy, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 I don't want an autopsy done. And Winter's like, cool, girl. So we do autopsies. That's like standard procedure. So if you don't want one, you have to prove religious objection or get a court order or else I'm going to do my goddamn job. And so Simon and Sharon, Brittany's mother, they don't do either. They don't prove the religious objection and they don't get a court order. So the cops search the house, you guys. They find 90, nine zero prescription bottles. 90. I know. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. They were all in Simon's name on his side of the bed. Let me ask you something. Who on earth is even allowed to be prescribed 90 different medications? I've talked about this on an after party. I have one controlled substance, yeah. Concerta. It's like pulling goddamn teeth to get the thing once a month, and I've been on it since I was 18. This bitch has 90 I know. prescriptions. I mean, it was 2008. It was a t- totally different time. Also, he's married to like a really famous person. Who knows? But Diana's like, there were so many different kinds of heavy duty drugs, things for anxiety or depression and very habit forming painkillers. These were serious drugs not to be taken lightly. 
And like, this is where we learned that like, so if you rewind a little bit, like Brittany Murphy's had kind of a fall from grace in the public eye. Like she was making those really high profile movies like Eight Mile and Sin City. And then now the media starts reporting about strange occurrences that were happening with Brittany in her professional life. For instance, appearing high on the set, not remembering her lines, things that were totally out of character and it affected her career. And we see like these reenactments. In this reenactment, there's this actress who like really does look like Brittany Murphy and she's holding this cup of coffee and this cup of coffee gets a lot of like prominence in this. It's empty. It's empty. <laughs> that drives me nuts. It's empty. There's nothing in it. You just see this actress like in slow motion yelling at people and then like... A friend of mine who wrote the movie Spun, which Brittany Murphy starred in, said, you know, she wasn't using drugs on the set, but I know for a fact she was smoking crack with Simon Monjack after the fact. Yeah, my friend wrote a movie she was in, and we never saw her doing drugs on set, but we knew she was smoking crack with Simon, like, when she wasn't working, and it's just like, oh my god. Like, this is the part of, like, speculating wildly. We don't know any of this to be true for sure. Mm -hmm. Also, Simon was the fucking worst. He was controlling who she could be friends with. He was controlling which agents and managers she could talk to, which roles she could take. And I have, Diane Diamond really didn't like that. Diane sat forward to be like, and the roles she could take. Her friends were saying that he would control who she talked to. There were certain managers and agents he didn't allow her to speak to. He was telling her what roles to take. If you wanted to get to Brittany Murphy, you had to go through Simon Monjack. Another professional in Hollywood, put it more bluntly, she called him Satan. And then Diane says, there was one industry professional who called Simon Satan. And I'm like, who, Diane? I know. <laughs> who? At least give me, was it an agent? Was it a co-star? Right. Diane, give me an avenue to go yeah. down and yeah. goop. Just like an industry professional, Diane, please. That could have been the reason also why her career tanked. Like, if you've got this horrible, awful husband, and then that's another reason nobody wants to work with you. Right. And also Bryn, who I have in parentheses. I have, in my notes, I have Bryn and then parentheses, who is such trash. <laughs> the Scottish guy that we can't stand. Because he's so, he's like, writes for a gossip rag, probably. Yeah. He's like... Her career was literally drying up by the moment. Has her career declined? She still thought she could demand the same things as she could when she was at her peak during eight mile days. But people were actually closing doors on her because they couldn't work with her anymore feels like yeah. they have Bryn here to just be like like a little like tap on the glass like she was a diva she was a nightmare she had issues she was an addict she had yeah. like an eating disorder and I'm like Bryn go away I don't have time for you girl well Bryn's gonna tell us some stuff right now because we learned that because Simon is such a nightmare people are like starting to maybe suspect him in her death so now we get Simon backstory and we learn remember how this is his third marriage we learn about his first marriage Simone Bian was Simon Jack's first wife they met in 2001 they got married in Vegas to win his first wife Simon actually told her that he owned several Damien Hirst paintings and he was an heir to a steel mill he literally didn't have any of those as soon as they got married he moved into her property he became a slob 
literally overnight. So they were married in Vegas in 2001, and Simon lied to Simone, who, like, we're on Team Simone with this, really, because we just, we hate Simon. So Simon lies to her, and he's like, hey, I'm an heir, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I'm an heir to a steel mill. (laughs) And I'm like, does that make money somehow? Like, what kind of lie is this? Isn't that kind of easy to fact check? Exactly. You know what I mean? Girl, don't, your shoulders to your ears for a reason. Look, I Goog everything. It was a different time. It was a different time back then. So, and of course, like right on cue, the minute they get married, he flipped a switch. He became a slob overnight. And Simone is like, girl, bye. Within weeks, she's like, wait a second. Absolutely not. She's beautiful. She has a career. She's smart. Got a good head on her shoulders. I mean, she fell for this nonsense, but it didn't take her long (laughs) to say, you know what? I am out of here. But now we're back to Linda, Simon's mom. He fell in love with her very quickly, realized that she was not for him. And I can't say it was a good thing, but it was him. This train is never goddamn late. She's just making excuses. And, you know, like, Simone kicked Simon out of the house. Yes. After, like, three weeks. Yeah. Simone was like, "Uh, so the honeymoon phase, is this it? No, bitch. Absolutely not. So Linda, the mother, is like, he quickly realized she was not for him. And I'm like, Linda, you got to open your eyes a little bit, girl. That's not how that went, Linda. So then, remember Factory Girl? Simon sued the production of the movie Factory Girl, claiming that they'd stolen his script to make the movie. Rather than fight him in court, they just gave him a screenwriting credit to make him go away. Simon had built his whole persona around that particular credit for Factory Girl, but it's just completely bogus. And I'm like, that's the hill you want to die on, Factory Girl? I had to slow down on this because Diane says this to us like it's fact. And like, I truly trust Diane Diamond. She's your best friend of the world, girl. (laughs) She is your family. You guys are like blood sisters. My God, she is your best friend. Steve, move over. You have a new sister wife, girl. Her name is Diane Diamond. Welcome to the family, Diane. It's cozy here. I'm obsessed with Diane Diamond. But she she says it like facts, so there must be corroborating like evidence. Like she's not like that's a libelous thing to say on TV if it's not actually true. So she's saying that like he sued the production company and rather than dealing with him, they just gave him a writing credit. And I was like, is that how that happens? I just want to point out that his mother says, like, no, 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 no. That story is not true at all. I really do think that they got Simon wrong. He was such an amazing storyteller that he would tell the most outlandish and ludicrous stories. That was one of his drawbacks, is that he sometimes did actually mistake fantasy for real life. Sweetheart, that's called being a pathological liar. Right, that's a liar and a con man and like maybe even a sociopath, not a therapist. But And she's like, they got him all wrong with his outlandish stories. And I'm like, Linda? I hate oh, oh, but darling, you don't understand. He was such a fantastic storyteller. <laughs> he would just tell these stories. Don't you understand? Uh-huh. No, Linda. Linda, no. So remember my maybe friend, Mark? Yes. I think he's closer to my friend here because I oh, like good. what he has to say. Yeah. Because he's like... Simon Monjack was a charlatan, a con man and an extortionist. He cut her off from the outside world. He kept her cloistered in that home plied her with drugs, controlled her mind. He's bad news. 
you know, Simon is a liar and a con man. He isolated Brittany. He plied her with, with drugs and pills. He's a total nightmare. And I hate him. And I'm like, girl, same. So Mark is trying to say that, like, remember all these changes that Brittany was going through? And, like, she was maybe, like, being a little unreliable or she didn't have the energy. Like, that's, like, a big thing to note here. Yes. That, like, everything changed with Simon. But then the toxicology report comes back. The final results of Brittany's autopsy was she died of pneumonia. She was anemic and had an overdose of over-the-counter medications. It's like two months later, right? So it's two months of the media being like, did her husband do it? Like all of the speculation. And so everyone is kind of shocked that the autopsy didn't find some cocktail of painkillers in her. That's what everyone was expecting. I remember when this when this toxicology report came out and I was like, oh my God, you can die of pneumonia? Well, of course you can. Ab- yeah. You absolutely can. And Winter, remember the, the coroner who's like the coroner to the stars or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Winter, yeah, calm yeah. down. Winter's like- Brittany's death could have been prevented in my opinion had they taken her to- the doctor or a hospital instead of just feeding her cough medicine and and different non-prescription medications. If they just would have brought her to the goddamn hospital instead of shoving cough medicine down her throat for a week, she could have lived. But that's why I'm saying I don't know that I believe there's some grand conspiracy here. I think that like they were all a fucking mess. I think that he was an addict. He turned her into an addict. She was down to 115 pounds. You know she wasn't eating a morsel. Mm -hmm. She got super sick. They just were too fucked up to realize how sick she was. And she died. Like that's what I think happened, you guys. Spoiler. I understand until we're only halfway through, girl. I know. <laughs> I, I, t- I hear you. Your thoughts and feelings are valid. Thank you. <laughs> but we got to move on. Guess who's back? I, she's here, you guys. Larry King is back. Because Simon has had it with all the press. And Simon decides, I'm going to go on Larry King to defend myself. And I'm going to bring Brittany Murphy's mother, Sharon, with me. And Larry King goes, you guys got all four hours. You got it. <laughs> You got it. Easy. What? All four. How about his show was probably eight hours. All eight hours. You got it from 8 a.m. to te- all 12 hours, 24 hour news cycle. You got it. I got it. You guys, no matter how insane off the rails you think this is going to go, it's worse. You guys sitting down, get the popcorn, sit down. Don't be driving. <laughs> Don't be operating heavy machinery. So Larry King is trying to get like, what happened that day? And this is where maybe this is like a thing they say in Jolly Old England or something. But Don't say that. about We love England. Don't oh, say love Jolly England. Old England like that so flippantly. How dare you? How very dare you? Right. I take it back. I take it back. But he literally says, What happened that day was Brittany had laryngitis. I have no idea what to do with laryngitis. I'm a rabbi, not a doctor. So I pray instead of prescribe. Like, this is why you don't like the look of him. He's so smug. You know what it would be great? If he was just like, I thought it was going to be okay. Exactly. God, I thought it was going to be okay. And I exactly. didn't take her. And she's so famous. We can't go anywhere. Like, I didn't want the media to think that she was really sick. And she yep. told me not. Like, but there's none of that. He's just like, I'm a rabbi. And it's like, you're all what? And that's just the beginning. That's like the least creepy, weird thing he says, you guys. So then Larry King says to him, and remember, her mother is sitting right next to him. Larry King is like, also, you didn't want to. Autopsy? Okay. (laughs) Here we are, girl. I mean, here we are. Here we are. He says, Simon says, Simon says, oh my God. (laughs) I heard it as you said it. Simon says to Larry King. I know. As an excuse for not wanting to really know what happened to his wife who died tragically and suddenly. Yeah. He goes, To us, it was such a shock. This pristine body that was curvy in all the right places and the skin like silk. And how could I say in front of her mother, cut her up? 
I mean, it was just no, unfathomable. Is that? Well, there's this pristine body that's curvy in all the right places. Her skin is like silk. How do I say in front of her mother, cut her up? And I thought, what the fuck am I watching? But it only gets weirder because as he's trying to say the thing about her silky skin, the mother like interrupts him to say to Larry, like, girl, it's not like she was in a car accident. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? It's this weird crosstalk where Simon just keeps wanting to talk about how hot Brittany Murphy was yes, yes, in yes. front of on Larry King, where he has volunteered to go on to defend himself. And also like, so you don't want to say to her mother, quote, cut her up, which is not what you would say for an autopsy. Right. But you are willing to say that her daughter had curves in all the right places with skin like silk and sexualize her after she's died. And there's this crosstalk. And then Sharon is just like, well, isn't, isn't that Simon adorable? And I'm like, this is a clusterfuck. This went about as badly as it could go. Remember, they went here to like repair their images, like to say to the world, no, I didn't kill my wife. And no, I don't believe that my son-in-law killed my daughter. And like, this is the craziest thing I've never heard of. Right. Like the more he talks, the creepier he gets. And totally. the more she Sharon Murphy talks she just looks like a nutcase and I'm sorry like she just looks like this giggly little and I'm like is is she under Simon's quote spell too like what is this guy doing to the women in his life like why is she just laughing about the fact that like he couldn't he could like what who's she Carol Baskin just laughing about the <laughs> tragedy in her life it makes no I know. sense and Diane Diamond just ends the segment by going the more this man talked the more bizarre his personality became the more suspicious he became. And Sharon Murphy strikes people as a little odd. What was going on inside that house? What was going on inside that house? Because remember, they all live together. Yes, yeah. The yeah, three yeah, yeah. of them live together. And so that where I was like, Diane, oh shit, girl, yes. That's why you're so good at this. That's why you're on every single documentary. <laughs> yes. So because like he wasn't able to repair his image on Larry King, he decides he's going to do like a magazine interview. He invites Radar Magazine into the house that he's still living in with Britney's mom. With Britney's mother. She's still there. And he's like, yeah, you're the first people to ever see the infamous bathroom. You can see my wife had a penchant for cosmetics. Well, you're the first person to see the infamous bathroom. This is ghoulish. This is disgusting. Ghoulish. This is bizarre. This is so fucked up beyond belief. You know what? He also calls the bathroom the death room and he's smoking a cigar. So I, I know. <laughs> it was reminiscent of the Pensavalli piano parties, too. He's like, we would have the best time. I would sit here and play the piano and she would lie on the floor and fall asleep. And I was like, girl, that's called passing out. Yeah, girl. Also, take that back. The Pensavalli piano parties, no one was ever falling asleep on the floor they took themselves up to bed when they knew that they'd had enough <laughs> all right you guys so cut to march 23rd 2010 it's almost exactly five months of the day after britney's death guys sharon britney's mother makes another call to 911 yeah she's reading the same script she read when she called about britney dying <laughs> what's the problem what happened my son-in-law he stopped breathing not breathing at all yes did you see what happened or not what fluid in his mouth is he choking on anything? And he stopped breathing, my son-in-law. <laughs> I'm convinced it's the same 911 guy. I'm, it sounds exact. It sounds like the same guy. It's the same shift, same thing. You're hysterical. Right. Could you not yell? Could you try not yelling? Could you maybe just be a little smarter? Think about what a man would do. What would a man do in this situation? Do that. <laughs> well, actually. Well, he says to 
to her. Lay him flat on his back, on the ground, no pillows. I can't get on the ground, he's gigantic. He's gigantic? Yes. She says, I can't get him on the ground, he's gigantic. And the 911 operator goes like, ellipsis, gigantic? And she goes, yes. And then Mark is like, Simon is a bloated 300 pounds. I I know. And like, look, we don't fat shame here. I just don't like Simon. But it's ridiculous also that it's like we're just talking about like his weight at this moment. Like I know. But the thing is, like everything that Sharon is saying, he's got fluid in his mouth. He said that earlier with Brittany. Like it's almost line for line. The same 911 call. Yeah. And it's like they, you know, this scene ends. They're like they couldn't find his pulse and he dies. And that's it. And and I have like the Jillian Pensavalli and I feel nothing. Like, this guy is garbage. So the thing is, Simon is dead. And so Ed, the guy who does all the famous dead people stuff. The coroner. The coroner. He's got to come back. And he's like, it was real weird being back in that house, that same house five months later for a different death. But he's like back to the night table and looking at all the pill bottles. And he's like, we've recovered some more prescription bottles from the bedroom in his name and additional names. Some of the prescriptions were made out to some guy named Trevor Williams and the others were made out to, get this, Sharon Monjack. So it's Brittany Murphy's mom's first name, Sharon, and then Simon Monjack, like Brittany's husband, his last name, you guys. And and Sharon's like, well, we were sleeping in the same bed just to comfort each other. You guys, there's some weird, convoluted, fucked up shit happening. They were sleeping together. They were in the same bed. They were taking a bunch of pills together. Those are the facts here, okay? But you know who doesn't agree with you? Simon's mother. (laughs) Linda! I can absolutely 100% refute that because... I was speaking to him daily, and it wasn't like that. He loved beautiful women, young and beautiful women. And every woman he'd been with was young and beautiful. So, I rest my case. But Linda throws this epic shade at Sharon. She's like, listen, I can refute that because every woman my son has been with is young and beautiful. And then she literally does that thing where she looks away from the camera and she goes, so I rest my case. I rest my case. And I just go, the shade. Uh, me too. Oh, <laughs> so many A's. <laughs> me too. It's really awful. And if you think about it, like it happened, like he died five months after she died. I'm sure that between the drug addiction and the pills and the sadness and the loneliness and the depression and the drinking, like I, I cannot imagine that hell it must have been living in that house for the two of them like what a nightmare right but then the coroner is like you know simon's cause of death the coroner concludes that the cause of death was acute pneumonia and anemia just like Brittany. how is it that these two individuals husband and wife one is 300 pounds the other's 115 pounds how is it that they both succumbed to the exact same ailments? It was acute pneumonia and anemia, just like Brittany Murphy. And so Mark and all these journalists are like, how could they both die of the same thing? He's 300 pounds. She's 115. It's just very strange. But like, I don't think that the pneumonia has to do with your weight. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you like, if you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you're just doing drugs and smoking cigars, you get pneumonia. Right. And if it goes untreated. Yeah. I, I don't know. Look, not a doctor, not a mother, not a psychiatrist, right. not, not a lot of things. <laughs> I Yeah. Pneumonia, to me, pneumonia seems very antiquated. 
antiquated. But look, I haven't seen you in two months, girl. So like, I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. You know who's got the questions? It's Britney's dad. Again, subtitled. You guys, we can't play anything. You won't be able to understand it. But he is very suspicious. And he hires this guy, Cyril Recht, who is a forensic pathologist and a legal consultant. And this guy, Cyril, has like the line of the movie for me. He's like, the official results in Brittany Murphy's case would be quite legitimate causes of death, although rather rare for somebody of that age, especially someone who is affluent and not living in a tent in the middle of a park somewhere. Ooh! I know. <laughs> he also says her death was unfathomable. Right, because she was rich. Like, this guy Cyril is just saying rich white people don't die like this. And the thing is, like, so he's hired by Angela, by Brittany's dad, to really do some, like, deep dive testing, to really see, like, is it, like, is the LAPD on the up and up? And I love Diane Diamond, your best friend, really yeah. cuts to the chase. She goes, Angelo also discovers that the LA coroner's office never tested Brittany's hair for toxic substances. So he petitions to get a sample of her hair so he can send it to an independent lab. There's a lot of legal squabbling back and forth, but he finally gets it. There's a lot of legal squabble back and forth, blah, 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 blah. She goes, it's not important. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the point is, is that like they're allowed to get a sample of Britney's hair tested. Yeah. And I'm like, but where's the sample from? That's what I was going to say, too. Oh. Like, you want to talk about ghoulish? I mean, I don't know where they got the hair from, but they get a sample of her hair and they get it tested and like... Bah, bah, bah. Like when they come back from commercial, we find out that it had like 10 heavy metals. The results were very surprising and they speak for themselves. They show 10 heavy metals at significant levels that several instances are well beyond the levels permissible by the World Health Organization. I have never seen anything like this. I've never seen it reported in any other case. But like, it doesn't really go anywhere because Britney's dad does this deep dive and he learned that people who die of anemia, sometimes they actually died of arsenic poisoning. And if you're not looking for that, it can look like they died of anemia. It's why people use arsenic to kill people. And so he's like, they get the hair tested and they find all these heavy metals and they're like, none of it is arsenic, but they find all these other things that they say the LAPD didn't test for. And when it cuts back to winter, the coroner who actually did the testing, he's like, girl. During the autopsy, we did do tissue and blood and urine, but we felt that was sufficient. We didn't find any metals in her system at all. I'm 100% sure that she wasn't murdered from the information that we have received. The case is closed. We tested the blood, we tested the tissue, we tested the urine. There were no heavy metals detected anywhere. So, you know, it, the heavy metals could have come from the hair treatments that she had had or who knows what. But he's like, when we tested what was actually inside her, we didn't find any of that stuff. Yeah, and they like want to exhume Brittany's body for further testing. Sharon says, absolutely not. Angelo's convinced that Sharon poisoned Brittany and then poisoned Simon to cover her tracks. And I'm like, why would Sharon kill her meal ticket? And I'm saying that like not, I'm, I'm just saying that as blood as possible yeah here. of course but like I do think it's suspicious I do think it's weird that Simon and Brittany died of the same thing I just think it's ridiculous like I think Sharon just wanted to be famous and like ride on Brittany's coattails forever so I'm not entirely sure like what the motive would be but let me tell you I don't like it 
and I'm upset about it. So the LAPD is like, yeah, she wasn't poisoned. The case is closed, but so many people disagree. And I'm like, I am just going to like, in just like in memoriam, just watch Clueless. It's just, it holds up. It's so good. Yes. Everyone is like so beautiful and perfect. The soundtrack is like perfection. It's just Brittany Murphy's performance in that is incredible. So maybe I don't have answers to this, yep. but my one answer is that Clueless is flawless. Go watch it. <laughs> Um, you guys, before we say anything else, huge thanks to ID for giving this to us before it even aired on ID. You guys, this is airing tonight on ID, and you guys, watch ID every night for the next week at 9 p.m. for provocative new specials. They're doing specials on Jeffrey Dahmer, who killed Jeffrey Epstein, the disappearance of Heather Elvis, the truth behind Joe Exotic, you guys? I mean, we're obsessed with ID. Oh, uh, girl, we did Brittany Murphy and ID oh. Mystery. This is like a whole new ground. I'm very I know, excited I'm so about excited. it. Also, you guys, if you want more Jillian and me get in the Patreon. There's over 140 full bonus episodes for you to download a bitch right the second. Laugh your face off. Listening to us go episode by episode through Tiger King. Don't F with cats. Other things that don't have to do with animals? Yeah. Uh, OJ, which, God, I just, I'm just going to all the things I hated. Uh, OJ, <laughs> The Jinx, uh, season one of Serial, the podcast, Making a Murderer. Lacey Peterson. There's so much there. Patreon.com slash True Crime Obsessed. Go check it out. Yeah, like ad-free versions of these apps and just after parties. We're hanging out with you. We're checking in. We have a a whole you okay girl series that we're doing <laughs> quarantine check-ins girl what are we doing next we are doing unseen okay tell me i don't know anything about this what is it oh it's super tragic and horrible but we've gotten so many requests for this like since since the inception of tco yeah it's a serial killer one right yeah it's about uh women who who were kept hostage it's really <gasps> really bad i know it's horrible it's gonna be a rough one girl byo Okay. It's a BYO. <laughs> Will do. Um, girl, where can they find us? They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. That gives you really all things TCO, honestly. Yeah, it's like the it's merch, it's um CS Live whenever that happens again. It's our <laughs> Patreon promo codes, all the stuff you need, girl. And episodes. <laughs> and episodes. Um, they can find you at Julian with a G on all the things. You are Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram and Patrick Hines on Twitter. Yeah, and we are at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram. Follow us there, you guys. We always do insane stories. It's super fun. Um, you guys, be careful what you wish for with this on-screen text situation because the trailer for Unseen is like 90% on-screen text. Uh, so we can't, there's really nothing to play at the end of this episode. So take my word for it, the movie is incredible. It really is an extraordinary film. We'll put the trailer up in the group for anybody who wants to watch it, but we're not gonna have it at the end of the episode today. And that's it, we love you. We love you, thanks for hanging out. Girl, I miss you so much. I know I miss you, but I <laughs> we have another, a whole other recording to do, so I'll see you so soon. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. but, but not in person, and I know that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Do you know when I was in eighth grade and I had hair, like long, a long part, and the kids made fun of me, they called me sheepdog because I would do this, that thing where I would like flick the hair out of my the face. The thing I've been doing dog. for the last hour of our recording session? Yes. <laughs> also, sheepdog is a compliment. How dare you bullies? Get out of yeah, here Yeah, eighth that. grade boys. Screw uh, you. Eighth grade boys. Chris Ricciardi. <laughs> yeah, where, where are you now, buddy? You talking about true crime documentaries on a podcast with a dear friend of yours? Nope. I will tell you, I saw him at our high school reunion and he was so nice and we got hammered and I told him that he was really hot. You went to your high school reunion? Um, I organized my high school reunion. You did? <laughs> yes. W when I was in college, my best friend, I was meeting his parents down in the lobby of our of our dorm for the first time and his mother walked up to me and said, oh, you must be Patrick. Eric said you, you'd be the heavyset kid down in the lobby. Shut up. 
up. I swear to God. Are you kidding me? I swear. I'm to really God. give give me your name. Give me all their names. I'm really mad about that. I, that's that is horrible. If I were to ever have dinner with Diane Diamond, I would ask her to narrate it as though it were an ID special. You're not having dinner. You're having cocktails and like maybe some apps that you both like don't want to pick on too much. <laughs> because we've done that. Remember, remember back when we would go out for drinks. I, it yeah. feels so long ago. God. But we would we would be talking so much, like not about work and just about life and like catching up and like just yeah. talk, telling each other how much we love each other that we would like yeah. not eat the food that came until it was too late and then we were like we gotta eat a little bit or our husbands are gonna be mad we gotta have a little bit of this flatbread or whatever we ordered 